Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by UNA, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Matthew Wright. Matthew is the founder and CEO of SpecWrite and a packaging expert. He has over 25 years of experience in packaging, a constantly changing and highly strategic category for many procurement professionals. So hi, Matthew. Thank you so much for being with me today. Kelly, it's great to be here. I love, uh, I love the procurement space and excited for a conversation today. Oh, good. Then you've come to the right place. And I've already teased that your area of expertise is packaging, but I know just enough to know that there's a lot included in that. So what else should people know about your professional journey up to this point? Yeah, you know, packaging is just such a magical place because I've got to see really about everything being made from, you know, I say chickens processed to cosmetics to automotive uh, cars uh, to, you know, any sort of uh, military products to uh, really about anything you can think of. Because in packaging, it's really the horizontal against all industries. And so I've had a chance to be in hundreds of different factories watching great people make great products. And so that's kind of the excitement part about packaging that isn't always told. Well, I love the idea that we're setting this up as a magical place. I think it's a well-earned description. And in fact, based on our previous conversation in preparation for today, we had actually talked about really opening people's minds to this idea by starting with a deceptively simple question. What exactly is packaging? Well, it's a, it's a deceptively simple question, but highly dynamic answer, right? <laughs> uh, it, it, it really, I love the question because I don't think in our day-to-day lives we really uh, really understand the impact the packaging has and, and what a broad definition. And when I headed down the technology road and building technology, uh, the technologist world didn't, was really shocked. It's probably the most challenging thing to get technology around. And the reason to your question, you know, is packaging is cosmetics, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, packaging is, you know, a, an automotive transport carrier uh, or racking system. You know, packaging is the brown box that we all you know, love to hate comes from, you know, Amazon or others. So packaging is this really broad, dynamic uh, word that really can encompass a lot of things. And then, and kind of you look at it from the other direction too, is like you have primary packaging, which is what maybe food products come in. And then you have secondary packaging, which is the box that those food products get put into. And then you have tertiary packaging, which is the shrink fill and the pallets and that, that helps it, uh, you know, become mobile. So it's a really dynamic space uh, and, and quickly and rapidly changing and under tremendous pressures today. Now, you know what I think through as you share all of that, you know, we certainly live in the era of e-commerce. And so you start to think about all those different kinds of packages. There's the ones where, you know, it's sealed plastic and you pretty much just accept the fact that if you open it, you're making a trip to urgent care because you know, you're going to get cut. Um, but there's also packages that are part of the experience of buying and, and opening something. And so it is a, it's a very functional or utilitarian thing, but it's also part of the customer experience. 
So when we think about how this starts to impact a business's success, ability to make money, what are some of the business challenges or objectives that end up playing out in this category of spend? Yeah, you know, and it's it's a selfless plug for my book, the the evolution of products and packaging, and and what's happened over the last twenty years is the relationship between a product and a package has become symbiotic. And you know, historically, I always say like people throw you know kind of anything in any box and ship it anywhere. And today, to your point, part of the experience of a lot of product, whether it's e-com or direct uh, off the shelf, is really the relationship of the package to the product and. And your emotional feelings of that experience of the product is greatly tied into the package. And if you think about, to your question, an e-com, you know, getting something to the house. And, and I think we would definitely, even I feel this way, is if the box is crumpled or it's, or it's dirty, like you, you have this negative impression of the experience. Yes. And so it's changed the dynamic and the importance of, of packaging, you know, all the way from if you notice today in e-com, you probably get boxes yourself where it's printed on the inside, you know, so you open it. It's kind of brown, it's ugly on the inside, it's beautiful color towards the product. And that is a whole new way of manufacturing a different cost element. And sourcing all these different materials has become really challenging. And I think, you know, obviously you'll appreciate this, is one of the unsung heroes is the procurement professional. I mean, it's a it's a massive job that's trying to keep up with what I call skewzilla, sustainability, regulatory, <laughs> supply chain challenges. It's it's and, and on top of it a consumer's expectation is rising to that experience. And so there's a lot there to unpack. Oh, was that a pun? Did I, <laughs> did I catch a pun just there, Matthew? <laughs> you got to have a couple <laughs> humorous things in packaging, right? So. Now we're getting into packaging humor. Um, one of the things that strikes me as well as I start to think from a procurement rather than a consumer point of view is that some of what you've talked about uh, I would categorize as indirect spend. And some of what you're talking about I would categorize as direct, but then some of it kind of lives in the funny place in between. How should companies and certainly procurement teams in terms of how they're supporting the selection process think about what they're communicating directly and indirectly or not communicating based on the packaging that they choose? Yeah, no, so you're you're dead on. I think the... the, uh... Cost allocation of packaging today, you know, hopefully in most companies is being recognized and being appropriately accounted for. You know, it's not, it's, it's a really hard conversation to have that as the complexity rises for all the reasons we just listed, that obviously there's not cost pressure, right? As there's more SKUs, the sourcing materials drop uh, or, or order quantities drop, or as some of the materials that need to be used to, to create this visual imagery, obviously are more expensive. And so... There's this real, I think, optionality that procurement has to provide the business, which is, yeah, here's the everything we want to do, and here are the options that we have in front of us, and let's sit down and collectively talk about what is the right level of spend or what's, what's the right level of uh, attention around this packaging or quality uh, that needs to be given it so that everybody's happy. You know, at the end of the day, these companies have margin and they need to make margin on selling product. And as, you know, packaging prices are going up for, for several reasons, this has to become a collaborative kind of non-siloed discussion within companies uh, led by procurement and really led by optionality, if that makes sense. Well, and as we start to think about the execution of that, sort of the data component of explodes, because you've already talked about, I think that's funny, skewzilla. I'm definitely going to remember that. But even within each 
skew all of the specifications that go with every specific skew that you're actually looking to source, buy, and use, what are some of the most common data challenges that you see procurement teams sort of muddling through when they're trying to capture and then decide between all these different specs? Yeah, no doubt. And, and I, backing up, I just got to be uh, give credit where credit's due because I'm not that creative. Skuzilla came from Kellogg's, which did a whole write-up years ago about this proliferation of products out in the market. And so it's a great term. It, it's actually, they have a great animated uh, 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 imagery around it. So you should look it up. But uh, yeah, so you, you go to the explosion of the skews, you know, just obviously, as we know, I talk about, you know, you can't even find original anymore or, you know, needs to say original. There, there's there's multi varieties based upon type of retail process it's going to go through, type of consumer it's trying to attract, uh, global taste. Uh, all this takes kind of a same core product and just use something simple like a cracker. And it, and it exponentially changes the amount of packaging or different types of packaging you need to buy and all that as data. And I think the challenge, one of the challenges over time, because we never planned for this, right? It just kind of came upon us where we just kept adding and adding and adding. We've created this mountain of wasteland of data. Like it's just, it's duplicated against duplicated against duplicated. And a lot of times talk to companies and they're like, hey, we have you know 50,000 specifications and you really boil it down from a technology standpoint, and they might have 10,000, right? And mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to buy, source, create answers, analytics uh, on 10,000 versus 50,000. So the first thing is just getting your arms around what's out there, clean it up, organizing it and starting, and then don't let yourself reduplicate that. You can do that through technology. So, uh, and then lastly, control the data, you know, data, historically for packaging is sat at the manufacturer of the packaging's hands. And the reason, if you think about the, that symbiotic relationship of packaging and product, packaging is as important as product is today, but the companies making product don't make packaging. And so they rely on somebody else, but they need that data today to be sustainable, yeah. to do all the things we just talked about. So there's even a tightening relationship of product and packaging data that's got to happen today uh, as, as this just keeps, you know, the, the, the journey forward is going to be more complex, right? Um, so that's that's some of the challenges of the data and, and how you go, to go about, you know, getting your arms around it. Now, you mentioned your book, Evolution of Products and Packaging. And I'm actually curious about the evolution piece of that. You know, we can look at some things in business and in life and say, you know what, clearly we've reached at least the best we need for now. You know, I think of, um, I just recently saw a documentary that pointed out that that little screw piece on the bottom of a light bulb is still the original that Thomas Edison invented. And of all the different things that have changed about light bulbs and electricities and sockets and devices, that piece remains exactly stable. Um, I even think in the packaging spirit, banana peel, right? I would consider that packaging very effective. It's compostable. Not a lot of change there, but I imagine that in the rest of the world of packaging, it, there's a lot of rapid change that if you don't specialize in the space, you might not even be aware of. Uh, well, how would you characterize or what comments would you make about just how quickly things are changing in this area and maybe some of the forces that are driving that change? Yeah, definitely. No, and I love the banana peel. That is, that's just a packaging at, at its core, right? Uh, protecting what the ultimate product and 
and giving you the experience that you're expecting. So it's a great analogy. And you know, to your to your point, you know, packaging is is uh, really in a, in a fast change, uh, and and it's the type of packaging. It's and I'll explain. There's two kind of primary driving forces. So it's the type of packaging, how that package is manufactured, obviously the logistics of that manufacturing of packaging. You know, all of that's changing, uh, and obviously now the data importance is is rapidly growing. And two primary drivers that I think are, are doing that. One is, and without a doubt, it's sustainability. You know, really, and that's such, that's almost as complicated word as packaging because, right, you could unpeel that forever. But for the various reasons, uh, we're looking for you know alternative sources or products that have circularity or products that can do certain things, and that's a force upon which has been talked about for years but really starting to get kind of governmental or regulatory around it. And so it's creating challenges and opportunities for procurement. And then ultimately the consumer, which we just talked about, you know, we want, uh, you, you made the joke before about your, you know, having your fingers cut, you know, we want <laughs> consumable, easy to use packaging, want to understand where it's coming from, you know, what, what the, what the source is, what the value of that product is, but the consumer's definitely rising towards more and more, um, you know, more and more personalization, customizations, things that really speak to them. Uh, and so you've got these two big influences, you know, regulatory slash sustainability and just the human consumption part coming together uh, to really push innovation through packaging. So procurement starts with certainly business objectives, works their way through a mountain of data, hopefully collects multiple competitive bids from a, a range of suppliers that are probably satisfying those business needs in different ways. Is there something that procurement can be thinking about to ensure that when the business makes their final decision about what design will be used or what supplier will provide it, that they're thinking big enough, that they're not just thinking, okay, who has the most cost-effective design that's pretty close to what we're already using, or maybe you throw in a little bit of sustainability in, into that decision. Is there a way that we can encourage the business to be more comprehensive in their approach to making decisions around what to choose, who to work with, and then understanding sort of the downstream value that gets created far and above performance and, and cost savings and, and all of that, just to make sure they're coming with us on this journey. Yeah, no, and I, in, you know, little unknown fact that the whole technology uh, road I headed down was really to, you know, make the sourcing or procurement lives better. I spent most of my career in packaging in the procurement offices and really enjoyed and had great relationships. And what I saw was just a tremendous amount of reactive work being done, right? It's, it's every, it seems like it's just this constant push and pull to make sure that all the amazing things that happen in the, in the buy side happens and the product's ready and it's, it's there on time for the right cost. And my passion with working with procurement is to get them to the other side, get them to the, the analytical side, get them to the side where it's proactive, where the system like technology offers us in the rest of our life offers them options. You know, here's, here's, here's some options, spend some time thinking about what are the better options to your point so that when they go forward to the company or to the stakeholders and they say, Hey, you know, here's my recommendation, the system through data and through learnings and through technology is really parsing up those options and using their skill sets to really pick the best option and present it as such a best option. And I think, 
you know, we're, we're in such a reactive mode in manufacturing and product production that really pushing it through to the proactive side is, is where I'm looking. I think procurement can have the best impact uh, on the cost of the business, the, the speed of which things get to the market, the value of the product. It's, but it's got to be done through data. It's got to be done through technology. It's just you can't ask more of them, if that makes sense, from just, just try harder. I think they're trying as hard as they can, right? So we've got to collectively think about consumer type technology, proactive, uh, and, and tying that information into multiple feeds. So it's giving them a real clear picture of geoeconomic issues, you know, uh, logistical issues, uh, you know, uh, consumer preference issues. And, and so if that makes sense, I, I, I envision it very clearly, like you just got to get on the other side of the table at the procurement pushes and you got to push, you got to, you got to demand that that's the world you want to live in of the companies you work for today. Well, and it feels like we're sort of moving into the into the visionary perspective. We've, I think, made a good case that there's a lot more to packaging than people who don't specialize in the category might be aware. And it's also one of those areas where, you know, when I talk to people about procurement that don't work in procurement, I find it helpful to sort of leverage my time working in grocery retail. Everybody yeah. goes to the supermarket, and so you get good analogies. Everybody is also a direct or indirect consumer of packaging. And so this is a great example of where procurement can somewhat stay in their traditional space, but leverage every single thing that we're really good at and start moving in the direction of top line revenue impact. I think it probably creates a good transition for me to bring you into sort of our traditional wrap question here at The Sourcing Hero. So Matthew, I'm going to give you two choices. You can pick either one, and there is no wrong answer. Uh, This is sort of one last opportunity for us all to learn about your perspective. So the choices are, what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? Or if you'd like something a little bit broader, what do you think heroism looks like in a business context? So I'll leave that for you to, to pick an answer. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll, I'll take the first uh, option there if, if I'm picking options. Uh, you know, and we just released a really fun video. It's called the, the Margarita Pizza Manufacturing Company, and, and it tells a story of, of uh, numerous people. One is we call Barb in, in, the, in the picture, and that is what I think atypical procurement uh, champion has been in the past. Just knew everything, post-it notes everywhere, spreadsheets everywhere. And really, I think the hero is the one that transitions to this proactive world and really forces and pushes the organization to, to kill the silos, work uniformly, understand the value that procurement can have on the company's top line, uh, which you mentioned, and how it really is an integral part to the business, not just a, a afterthought or a must-do piece. So again, the champion is the one that really can transition through this amazing time period we're in and really get on the proactive side and help drive the business as a leader. That's fantastic. Matthew, for people who have listened to our conversation today and either want to learn more about your book, sound you out on packaging topics, or just plain connect because they found what we discussed today interesting, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Absolutely. And and feel free to. I love packaging. I'm involved in numerous boards at different packaging schools, and, and it's just a great space. It's done a lot for me. So I'm always happy to answer questions and get back. And I'm really easy to find, and, and that's somewhat probably dangerous in terms of uh, <laughs> uh, get putting it out there, but it is. It's Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W, at specright.com. 
So that's my direct email, uh, no filters. And then secondarily, uh, obviously on LinkedIn, you know, same thing, Matthew Wright at SpecWright. And so uh, look forward to talking to your audience and really enjoy this conversation today, Kelly. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.